Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and today we're talking about women's football. This is a long-awaited episode that I have been trying to put together for a couple of weeks now. I'm telling you, this this uh, episode is turning into somewhat of a novel in the sense that I, st- I wrote this episode originally back... After the Super Cup match, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it was after the first leg of the preliminary Champions League matchup against Twente. And uh, I had written an episode to, to go over it. I had said I was going to drop that. And then one thing led to another. I was not able to do it. I just kept adding notes each match they played along the way. So this episode is... Uh, is is turned into somewhat of a book here so um I, I thank everybody for joining me here and i'm glad i am very excited about a lot of the interest and excitement that is around this women's football team this season of course a lot of that due to the success in the uefa women's champions league and because it's taken me so long to get this episode together and to get it recorded well we got another game match to talk about here, and uh, at the end, we're going to talk about uh, yesterday's Benfica Bayern Munich UEFA Women's Champions League group stage opener, and it was a historic night at the Seychelles for the Benfica ladies, and we'll definitely get to that match in just a little while, but first, I will have to catch you up on everything else that has gone on so far this season for for the ladies. Um, we're about a month in a, in a week or so, a month and two weeks into the season here. 
and um, the majority of the attention to the team so far this season has been centered around this UEFA Women's Champions League, but we've also played in a Super Cup, and we have played three matches in the Liga BPI as we head into the fourth one uh, uh, this coming weekend. And I would have recorded this yesterday, immediately following the match when emotions were all high. The problem is I came down with you know what we call the common cold this week, and I had absolutely no voice yesterday to record. And I may sound a little bit nasally right now. I apologize for the sound of my voice if it's, if it's off. I am recovering uh, from a little bit of... A little bit of a of a seasonal cold here, but um, I'm ready to talk about this team. I'm excited to talk about this team. I love talking about this team. And um, before we get into football, I just got to give a real big shout out to the women's basketball team at Benfica. Y'all need to know that this team is killing it this year. They're picking up right where they left off last season. Last season, they were the champions. They they won. The championship, okay, in best of five in the fifth game on the road, okay. They came into this season ready to go. It started off with the Super Cup, and that was not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And the Super Cup was played, if I'm not mistaken, in Coimbra. And Benfica went in there and played against a very good Vitoria Guimarães side, who were, of course, the cup winners, thus giving us the Super Cup. But uh, Benfica would win 77-75 in that game, and they would lift their first trophy of the season, first bit of silverware. Um, Benfica women's basketball winning the Super Cup and have since opened up league play with two road victories this week. At the weekend, it was again against Guimarães, this time up there in the in the first capital of Portugal against the Conquistadores in their in their pavilion um, at the University of Marinense, I think is where uh, their their arena is located. And again, Benfica come out on top this time. It was seventy three to sixty. Uh, yeah, seventy three to sixty. Um, a little bit more of a comfortable win in this one, but again, the same same mar- the same amount of points scored, roughly between seventy three and seventy seven points, and uh, they would. And it's always hard, you know, to to face a team immediately after having played them, playing back to back games against the same team, and neither of them at home either. So this was a real good accomplishment for the girls. And then yesterday, on uh, the birthday of the Republic as they call it. It was a rare afternoon match on a weekday because of the holiday. And Befica were on the road again at Quinta do Lobes. And the Befica women's basketball team win 64-48 over Quinta do Lobes. As now they are tied with Cab Madeira for, at the top of the league. Both of them 2-0. and oh. So shout out to that team. All right. So let's give a little background on Befica so far this season. Okay. Um, the, as you know, in the previous episode where we talked, where we talked about Benfica, um, women playing in the, the Champions League preliminary stages, as I apologize for that little pause there, I hit, I have a confession to make, I am still at work right now, so I'm recording this on company time, and I just had to answer a message that came on my screen, but I'm back with you, and, um, we talked about the preliminary matches that they played in Sarajevo where they won both of those matches to qualify for the round of 24 or the final playoff round 
to get into the group stage of the UEFA Champions League. Okay, that's where we left off. After that, Benfica then played in the Super Taça Candido de Oliveira or the, the Portuguese Super Cup of women's football. And they took on Sporting, a team I said this in a previous episode that had no reason to be in that match. They didn't win the league last year. They didn't win a cup. Uh, They didn't win the league or a cup the year before that. So they really had no business being in that match. But unfortunately, they caught us on the right day in that one. As uh, Filippo Patone rotated the squad a little bit. um, You know, on the back end of a couple of, of European games earlier that week. And... Sporting's new signing, Brenda Perez, we're going to talk about her. She's uh, already been a real thorn in our side. She uh, opened the scoring in the 50th minute of that Super Cup game. Uh, Befica were the better team in that match, okay? We need to talk about this because it's getting lost. Um, It was a day in which Befica were terribly inefficient in front of goal. They produced many, many chances. They produced... um, all kinds of play, but they did not convert. And when you don't convert, you pay, as we all know. And in this one, it was Sporting's new signing, the Spaniard Brenda Perez, that came from from Espanol. She came in and introduced herself to Portuguese women's football with a goal in the 50th minute. Like I said, Benfica looked more likely to equalize than they did to surrender another one. But in the 85th minute, a rare mistake from Lele, our goalkeeper, Leticia. Also, I usually refer to her as Lele. That's how the commentators refer to her. Um, part of her strength is is how good she is at playing the ball with her feet and how good she is at distributing. And she plays very high up as a result. And a lot of times, the attack starts with her. Well, in this one, Mefica looking for a goal, and she has a terrible um, misjudgment and a lapse of concentration as she goes to it was hard to tell who she even was passing the ball to. Uh, she literally delivered it on a platter <laughs> with the right weight right onto the foot of Sporting's Joana Machon, who had just come onto the pitch as an, 80, as an 84th minute substitute. And the Portugal International had the goal wide open, and she would not miss from there. 2 0 to Sporting, and a rare upset and disappointing upset as Sporting win a Super Cup in which they did nothing to qualify for. This was a cash grab by the FPF, putting them in there just to have another Clásico, another derby, to put it at the Castillo. And, and because they were allowing people in, they wanted to make it this match so that people would go. And in the end, they leave with the trophy. A disappointing start to the season, but you know, with so much to play for still ahead. Benfica regrouped quickly, and it's something we're going to see. This is a theme with this team. They may have a bad day. They may play not so well, but they quickly regroup. I I will say it, and I will continue to say it, okay? This is a very well-coached, well-managed team. The manager, Filippo Patel, has been phenomenal, and I put a lot of weight in her appointment as manager last season in delivering that title to Benfica last season. I don't think, if she does not become the manager at the midway point of the season, I don't think Benfica win the league last year. I don't. Um, it was there were two. I've said before, there were two key, two very key instances, two very key situations that led to Benfica winning the title. One was 
was Felipe Patone. Two was bringing in uh, Leticia to play in goal. And we'll talk about the goalkeeping situation as we go on because it would come into play and it would come into the forefront. And unfortunately, you know, it would bring out some of the ugliest of sides uh, of our fan base. And, and if you want to call them that, I don't even consider people like that to be fans. Um, but unfortunately, uh, some poor goalkeeping in a, in a later match that we'll talk about in a little while brought out some real nasty nasty online abuse uh from some so-called fans and i will address that when we get there but um again mefica regroup okay again this team i have said is well built but what's happening and again this will come up is injuries are starting to creep in and unfortunately the team's not as deep as we would like a lot of that is due to the liga bpi's salary cap there is actually a salary cap like we see in North American sports in the Portuguese Women's Professional League, the Liga BPI. And because of that, that's why we've seen some of these depth, you know, these squad players move on. We've let them go. Um, we've stopped paying for certain players because we couldn't afford to take that salary. Once COVID hit, the FPF decided that they were implementing a salary cap on the Liga BPI. Um, I don't know if this is some kind of experiment to see how it works, to see if they're going to implement it um, in other levels of Portuguese football on the men's side. Um, perhaps, you know, in the Liga 2 or the Liga 3. I don't know um, if that's in their plans or not, but it's possible. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that forces Benfica um, to to surrender a lot of its its depth and it also forced Sporting to have the mass fire sale they had at the end of last season and um this brand new Sporting you know with uh, a team we knew very little about they uh they they threw the first punch and they got the first knockdown this season with this 2-0 win and this Brenda Perez already looks to me to be perhaps the best player in the Liga BPI uh, it's still early, but at least at this point, she is definitely um, leading that race. But they also, you know, brought in a new goalkeeper, a foreign goalkeeper. They unbelievably let both of Portugal's national team goalkeepers go. They did not keep them for whatever reason. Ana Capeta is gone, and she had gone to PSV, and she had been released, and now she's at Famalicão. There's some other names um, that went to play for Braga. And basically, Famalicão and Braga have gotten stronger, picking off some of these players Benfica and Sporting have released. So in the second stage of the championship, when we get to the championship round and we play those teams from the north, I think you're going to recognize quite a quite a few players on both of those teams. And I think it's what it's going to do is it's going to reduce the gap between Benfica, Sporting, and Braga and Famalicão. Again, I said last season this is a four-team League. There are four teams that compete for this title. It's going to be even more so this season, in my opinion. Um, but with that said, Benfica got ready then to travel to the Netherlands, and that's where we're going to pick it up. Pick it up, excuse me. After this quick break, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit of music here, and then we'll come back and we will get into the first leg of the round of twenty-four on the road at FC Twente in the Netherlands, and uh, we'll start with that. On the other side of this break, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can follow me on Twitter at 
M August, uh, Mike Augustino, excuse me, and that's at M I K E A G O S T I N H O. Follow the show at Benfica Mister on Twitter. Okay, trying to get to that one thousand follower mark. We're we're approaching nine hundred right now. So follow, share it, get your friends to follow. Get um, you know, let them know about the show. You can hear it on Apple Podcasts. You can hear it on Google Podcasts, Spotify. Tune in. Uh, iHeartRadio uh, on the Alexa on your Alexa device if you have one on on Audacity on Audible wherever you get your podcasts pretty much you can find Mr. Befica so please do that okay and make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page as well and go to www.mrbefica.com and if you want to watch yesterday's Champions League match against Bayern Munich if you haven't seen it yet I I have it up there on uh, on www.mrbenfica.com, and it will remain up there until well until the zone takes it down, I guess, uh, from their YouTube page if they are going to take it down. And um, before before we end the show, I'll I'll even talk to you a little bit if I remember uh, about views for that match. It was the second most viewed match of this round of the UEFA Champions League. So there is a good following for this team. There was a good crowd. All right, we're going to work our way to that match. And when we come back, like I said, we will start off with the first leg of the preliminary round in the Netherlands. We'll be right back. Mike Agustinho, and now we turn the clock back quite a ways, actually. We're going all the way back to the 31st of August of 2021. Uh, Benfica in the Netherlands to take on FC Twente in the city of Twente in, in the Netherlands. And if you watch this match on BTV, um, 
Valdemar Duarte really, uh, really was bothered by having to call this country the Netherlands instead of Holland, which I found somewhat amusing. And it really bothered him to call them uh, Netherlandish, which means, I guess, see, in English, they've always been the Dutch, regardless of whether we refer to the country as the Netherlands or as Holland. But um, the denonym in, in Portuguese has changed from Hollandish, meaning Hollander, to Netherlandish, I guess, Netherlander. Um, and he really was having an issue. It was actually a really obnoxious undertone for this match the entire time. So um, this was a little less enjoyable to, to watch on that day because it, he really got distracted on this, so didn't commentate the match as well as he should have. And he usually does a reasonably good job, but he was really hung up on this little bit of linguistics that day. But uh, let's go to the lineups then and take a look at what we had. We'll start with the home side, the Dutch champions, FC Twente. They're playing in a 4-4-2 for their manager. Uh, their manager, let me see if I have it here, the name of their manager. So they are managed by, it doesn't even list their manager here in the SOFA score, which is very interesting considering Benfica does have their manager list. But anyway, um, FC Twente lines up like this in a 4-4-2. The goalkeeper is Daphne von Domslayer. Uh, the four across the back, Marissa, Christian, Caitlin, uh, Dykstra, Kika Van Es, who is only, I think they said she was 15 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, that's not her. They have they had a player that is a teenager, and I'm trying to bring up which one it is here. As did she not start that? Perhaps she did not start that match, but I'm pretty sure there is. It it was number twenty. Okay, so yes, they do have a sixteen year old. She played in midfield. Uh, I digress. So Kika Venes uh, is their one of their center backs, and then Kirsten Yasmin is the left back in midfield. Annalena Stolza is the right-sided uh, midfield in the 4-4-2. Uh, Wike Hendraker, that is the 15-year-old. Uh, youngest player to ever play, I believe, for Twente at the professional level here um, in the women's game, of course. Suzanne uh, Hendrina is the other midfielder in the middle with Renate Janssen. Um, Janssen down the left. Up front is Bente, Jan is Bente Jansen, same last name, and Fena Kalma uh, for Benfica. Now, again, coming off the loss to, to Sporting here. Um, yeah, the loss to Sporting in the Super Cup. Excuse me. Sorry, but yeah, they had just lost three days earlier to Sporting in the Super Cup like we talked about in the previous segment. Benfica would come out in their normal 4-4-2 diamond, uh, a lausanne, like like we say in Portuguese, as it would be Lele in goal, Leticia da Silva, her full name. The right back was Catarina Madu, Silvio Rebelo, and Carol Costa. The center back pairing with Lucia Alves starting as the left back. And then 
the diamond in midfield with Pauleta playing in the hole as a striker, as a true number six. Beatrice Kimiron to her right, Andrea Faria to her left, and Ana Vitoria playing in the number 10 role behind the strikers, Marta Sintra and Nicole Raisla. Yes, that is the starting 11. A few names notable by their absence, but I, I think I understand what was going on. So, Philippa Patone, the manager, she set this team up in a more defense-minded uh, approach. They had a much more defensive posture. And I think what she was trying to do on the road, okay, on the road against a strong team with a lot of Champions League experience, you look at the average ages for these teams, and they actually don't give us that in this round. You'll get that in the group stage. SofaScore is hurting on some of the some of the statistics that they they uh, provide here. But working with it, they were a team that is older. Okay, for the most part, yes, they've got a 15 year old in there, but the rest of them are pretty seasoned veterans, and um, a lot of them are players that have played outside of the Netherlands, that have played in the German league or played in in the English league in the WP in the WSL, uh, or played you know in Spain or Italy in in one of the bigger leagues, the Swedish league, uh, but have returned to the to the Dutch league at this stage of their career. So they're a much more experienced team. Philippe Patel understood that. And the team had just lost. Confidence was down. I think she set the team out to not concede early. Okay. And therefore, you'll notice there is no Chloe Lacasse in this in this starting eleven. There is no Kika in this starting eleven. Uh two of the most prolific attacking players, but it starts off and uh, Twente come out, you know, comfortable. They're playing at home in front of their own fans. Uh, there is there is some sort of, of COVID protocol still going on here. Um, not sure what the percentage that was allowed in. It wasn't a full house by any means. But uh, there was a lot of fans. It was, it was a good crowd. But what you could hear right from the beginning was the very loud support for Benfica. It was only a handful of fans. Okay, probably less than 10. But they sang and they chanted the entire match. You could hear la, 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 Benfica all match long. Okay, it was absolutely awesome to see this. And I can only imagine what the girls felt because this is new to them. Traveling and being supported on the road in other countries is huge. This is something we've gotten used to with the men. When we play in Europe and we go to the Netherlands, we go to Belgium, we go to Switzerland, we go to Germany, countries with large Portuguese expat community, not to mention France, the biggest of all. We are not just used, we expect Benfica to have loud support on the road in these matches. And I think even though this was small in numbers, it was a very loud cheering section for Benfica, a very loud supporter section. And they were behind this team from the go. So Benfica had to weather the storm early in this one. It starts off with, with Twente pushing forward. And again, Benfica are used to a certain speed of play in Portugal. Okay. When they played in the preliminary, the earlier preliminary rounds, the, the mini tournaments, as they called them, they were playing teams inferior to themselves, clearly inferior. Here on this pitch, this twi FC Twente team is is on par with Benfica. Okay, this is an, an even 
level. Um, but they play at a higher tempo. And Twente are a very direct team. They're playing a lot of very direct football. Um, they play the ball in high and in behind, and they want to rely on their pace. And you could see that early. And early on, if you had to adapt to that, they were a little bit slow on the ball. Andrea Faria loses the ball off her feet a few times, just taking too long to make decisions. And in come the Dutch players. I shouldn't say that they're not all Dutch, but the, the Dutch team, their players come in, you know, full steam ahead, come in with hard tackles. This is something that is different. We don't see this level of intensity or this level of, of pace in the Liga BPI. Not even with Sporting. When we play Sporting, it's typically a football match. It's less of an athletic contest. But playing against this Dutch team, this became very much, at least early on, an athletic contest. And Befica had to, they had to weather the storm a little bit, adjust, figure some things out tactically, okay? Figure out some spacing issues, figure out some marking. And little by little, Befica get more and more comfortable in this match. And they start to combine. And then they start to slow the game down. And also what happens is the Dutch side start to run out of adrenaline. The adrenaline starts to, to reduce. And now they can't play at such a high press, such a high tempo. And once the game slows down and is into a more of a controlled passing game, Mifika clearly the better team in that version of, of football, in, in that type of game. And... You know, it would it would start and Befica would start to get their opportunities. And then again, it, as that first wind is running out uh, in FC 20, 18th minute, a nice bit of combination play. OK, Befica connects some nice passes, like I said. And then Ana Vitoria plays a beautiful, beautiful through ball, splits the defenders with it, cuts the literally cuts the back four. In half, Beatrice Camero, after winning the ball, does a give and go. Okay, she she keeps, continues her run, I should say. Gets between the defenders, gets in behind. And one of our better defense-minded, positionally sound defenders makes a run going forward. Beatrice Camero, not always a first choice in this team. She grabs this opportunity, makes the most of it, and calmly slides the ball with the inside of her right foot into the far post. The goalkeeper has no chance at this one. Befica take the lead in the 18th minute. That's right, Beatrice Camero, and you can hear the cheering. The entire bench is, is up on their feet. They are running down the sidelines to celebrate. It is a big celebration. I was watching this, and... Again, um, trying to get work done while Befica's playing is not a strength of mine. Uh, I tend to put all my attention into the match. And I was on my feet cheering. I mean, I was on my feet cheering at, at this point. Thank goodness I work from home because I could never get away with this in the, in the office because I would never be able to keep it discreet. Uh, beautiful, beautiful goal. And Benfica get a second wind out of this goal. They get an air of a boiled oxygen, the oxygen bubble, and Benfica go on the front foot. Okay, and they start to press and they start to push. And Benfica now are showing they are the better team through the rest of the first half. However, you get to the forty-first minute, and um, 
we do get a yellow card to Ana Vitoria in the 36th for a, a late challenge. Uh, you, it's part of the game. You're going to take those. It's, it's not a big deal. But in the 41st, we get a mistake from Carol Costa. Okay. And Sylvia, they're they're trying to play the ball to each other, and as the two central defenders are trying to swing it around, it's a poorly weighted pass, and it's not accurate. It was also poorly um, executed. It was not on target at all. It ends up going to Fenacal to uh, sorry to Bent Janssen. Janssen quickly finds Fenacalma. And Kama, with one touch, puts it in the back of the net. A very direct goal. Um, quick turnover and quick early service finds Fena Kalma. And Fena Kalma makes it 1-1, four minutes from halftime. To many teams, this would be demoralizing. On the road, in your first, you know, in your big Champions League match. Remember, this is the round Benfica got to last year. Last year, it was around to 32. This year, it's 24. But... Last year, Benfica won two one-off playoff matches to get to the round of 32. This year, they won two one-off playoff matches to get to the round of 24. It's because there's more teams in the league this year. Um, were, you know, the uh, there's 24 left at this preliminary stage, so that 16 can make up the group stage. So you're leading in all and you know you're just taking control of this match you're on the road against a more experienced team a team with a lot more european experience especially and suddenly you you squander the lead and you give it away and um you give the home side all the confidence in the world going into the locker room going into the team room at halftime but this benfica team does not let that happen um very very Mentally strong team. When things go wrong, they refocus, they reshape, they regroup. And Philippa gets them ready to come out in the second half. And quickly into the second half, she notices uh, she notices Twenty's back line starting to lose a little bit of an edge, starting to tire. She notices that Twente don't have the same high press, the same intensity their fitness is not where it where they'd want it to be to play the way they're trying to play okay so they're trying to press higher but Benfica passing their way out of pressure now okay the two back the two center backs sort out their their issue with distribution sort out their mistakes and the best part is they don't let that deter them from building play out of the back when it's on okay um and that is not the strength of this back this back line you know, playing out of the back is not the strength of this back line, I have to say. They're good defensively. They stay well organized and they're strong. They can clear well and get up the pitch. But when it comes time to build play, um, probably our biggest weakness in terms of uh, distribution and in terms of, of passing, especially vertically, is our two center backs, okay? They're two internationals. I'm not talking about just anybody. They're two very good center backs. But the rest of our team is so much stronger in the passing game, so much better technically. Okay. They're the only two true defenders in this in this Benfica side, to be honest with you. And 
you know, the two wing, the two outside backs are converted. They're converted forwards, both of them, Lucia Alves and Katrina Amado. They both were forwards just a couple seasons ago and were converted into outside backs. Lele, as a goalkeeper, takes the pressure off Carol and Sylvia for the most part and having to build up play. She plays out high. Okay, she comes out. She she likes to play almost like a the sweeper keeper. Like we, she's a classic sweeper keeper, and what she does a lot of times is she just bypasses them and she does the vertical pass. She has a good foot. She can she has a long kick, and she's very accurate. So she can knock a long ball, you know, a good amount of distance right onto a player. Noticing that, okay, I think Felipe Paton sees the opportunity to inject some pace. In the 50th minute, when Kika Venes picks up a yellow card, the center back for 20, that seems to be the signal. And off the bench comes the Canadian international, Chloe Lacasse. She replaces Martha Sintra. And now you've got some pace on the end. And now you've got Lele. You've got Pauleta, okay, that can play balls in behind. And now you have someone to run onto him. Nicole is a very good player at holding up play, at receiving, using her body to to create space, to allow support to, to come in and to distribute or turn and shoot. She's good on the dribble. She's just not going to be the one that's going to run down the ball that gets in behind. That is totally Chloe's department. Chloe comes in here, and now Benfica have that dimension, and Twente have a center back on a yellow card. Obviously, you're going to go at her at this point. All right. Ten minutes later, Philippa goes to the bench again and makes two very good substitutions. Injects some more pace in the attack with Valeria Silva replacing Nicole Raisla. This is one of Nicole's, uh, dare I say, poor, not poorer or weaker performances, but less accomplished performances. She was well uh, neutralized by the back four of, of uh, Twente. But now they're dealing all of a sudden with, instead of a post-up player, they're dealing with two runners, two vertical threats in in Chloe and Valeria. And also in comes the crack, the star, Kika. Kika Nazareth comes in. Andrea Faria comes out. Andrea put in a very, very hard 60 minutes, um, always in the, in the battles, always in the 50-50s. You know, she, she gets injured two or three times in the match. I mean, one thing I noticed watching the women's game that you don't see as much of in the men's game, and I'm not exactly sure why, is you see a lot more nasty collisions. I mean, a lot of knee-to-knee collisions in the way that the girls uh, approach the 50-50 balls. I don't know if there's an you know an anatomical reason for this, if this has something to do with anatomy, if this has something to do with mechanics. Um, but... So many times, uh, so many times Andrea is is getting bullied, but hold she holds her ground, but she gets bodied a lot more than other players. And a lot of times in the 50-50, she goes in hard, but she ends up coming out a little bit worse than the opposition. But uh, she puts in a good shift. It was a hard day's work. But now Kika comes in, and now we got some offensive threat. Felipe's uh, going for the win with 30 minutes to go. It's it's very interesting to see him. Befica in complete control. Benfica combining, Benfica creating. They got overlap. They get the outside backs overlapping, getting into the attack. 
Uh, clearly, the team that is looking for the victory here on the road, I think they've got the Dutch side a little bit shocked. And they're going to adjust in the 73rd minute as Yarni Toolings comes in for Bente Janssen. Janssen comes off. It is a more defensive-minded midfielder for an attack-minded midfielder. It looks like Twente want to get to the second leg without a defeat at this point, even though they're playing at home. Away goals do not count anymore. Remember that. There is no away goals rule in UEFA. So they're looking at it as being tied at, ha at you know the midpoint of the round. And I guess they're assuming that they'll fare better in Portugal for whatever reason. I don't know that they're fully um, appreciating or fully understanding the strength and the quality in this Benfica side. I think they underestimated them a little. And I think that's, that becomes a reoccurring theme. And I also think that that theme is over. I think that going forward, where I sit here on the 6th of October, going forward, um, that Benfica will not be overlooked again after some of the results they've pulled in this Champions League this year. But uh, it looks like the Dutch are just assuming this is a bad day. We'll get them next time. And Felipe puts on another, you know, technical player for a hard-nosed player. Not that Paulita is not a, a good technical player. I just said, you know, she's she's as good of a number six as I've seen uh, in the women's game. I mean, no, she does not play for Spain, who are a very good national team. I wouldn't mind, I mean, a few more years and she's eligible to be a naturalized Portuguese player. She would start in the Portugal team today. And um, if she was any other nationality, almost any other nationality, I think she'd be an international at this point. She's very, very good at that position. She's very aware, very intelligent, okay, at, and sees the game and reads it very well. But she, her day is done in the 79th. On comes Christy Uchebi who is a different type of player. She's more of a ball handler, a little less of a banger, if you will, um, a little less likely to get stuck in. But you can see Benfica feel they can go get this result. Um, Twente will make a, a counter substitution. Danik Yempa, oh, Yipema, comes in in the 81st for Kika Vaness, as Kika Vaness is... is uh, is on a yellow card, so they don't want to go down to 10 and have to, to to hang on to this result down a player. So they make that change. And the next 10 minutes play out, and we get to the end of the match. It finishes 1-1. The Benfica fans um, are delighted. The Twente fans are a little bit surprised, and you can see a little bit of shock on their faces, wondering who is this team? Uh, how did this team come in here and, and, and steal a 1-1 draw with us. Uh, you see Benfica players go over and and thank their fans. They celebrate with them. It is a very good result. I remember being super proud of them in this match. Uh, they just played so intelligently and so hard. One mistake is the only reason Benfica did not win this match outright or didn't win this match, okay, and didn't take a lead into the second leg. But you had to be happy. You had to be confident knowing you were bringing this round to the Seychelles to decide in just a week's time or in about 10 days' time. 1-1 um, is the final result. So Benfica would then 
uh, process forward to the Liga BPI into what I just call an ugly matchup. I mean, this was not a good game for Benfica, this Liga BPI opener. All kinds of squad rotation brought in, and um, I'm going to bring up the lineup here. I can get it off of playmakerstats.com, and it'll be just a minute. But, yeah, Benfica come in, and I think some of it was fatigue, not just physical but emotional. These, These European knights take a lot out of players, especially when it's brand new to you. The pressure is high. Your nervous system takes a real shock in playing these matches, even when they go well. So uh, I think the manager understands that, and she made quite a bit of changes to the team that was going to take on Odiense in the opener of the Liga BPI. I'm going to pull that up now. I do have it in front of me so I can give you the lineups for that match. And... This this uh, playmakerstats.com uh, forward slash team forward slash Benfica Femininu. You can find all of their stats. I do find that uh, their match reports are not the best, but they do keep better track of statistics and things of that, that matter. Um, so uh, it's just loaded with ads, which is why it's taking me so long to bring up this lineup. But let's go to match day one. And it, so Benfica playing at the Tapadinha. That's another thing. This is their home opener, and it's at the Tapadinha. This is Atlético Club Portugal's stadium that we borrow for some reason. We're this is a bad deal. I mean this this pitch is not up to the standard that you would expect from Benfica. And to me personally, I find it kind of embarrassing and almost insulting. I do find it insulting that this team of this quality is made to play on this pitch so many times. A lot of times, this is a good time to mention, um, these match recaps also are available in Portuguese on Befica Independent. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can get them immediately. If you're not, not a big deal. It drops on the Befica Independent uh, podcast feed a few days later. And Sergio Ingracia and Rita Pereira do a real good job recapping these matches i'm no longer the only podcaster covering the women's team and i'm proud of that this team is growing and this team is getting more and more popular and they just continue to have just an amazing um season you know an amazing run and just story to gain more and more popularity okay so playmaker stats does give me the 11 here for both teams, it doesn't give me the tactical uh, outlook. So you, and this is something. The reason I mentioned Sergio and Rita, they talk about how hard it is to cover this team because the information given to us is so minimal. The club doesn't even doesn't even really do a good enough job promoting this team or promoting these players. And a lot of times, you don't even know the match day list. You don't when it's the men's team. You have the leash of the convocados. First thing that day, okay, and you have a starting lineup fairly, you know, within an hour of the match, and you have a tactical outlook, okay, you get scouting reports, you get statistics, very hard uh, for the women's team to get all that information, you have to look in so many different places, and unfortunately, as good as Playmaker Stats is for a lot of things, they don't 
put the they don't put the lineup on a grid, so you only have a list of names, which make it harder to to understand the way they're playing. But Benfica tend to always play in the four four two diamond, which if you're gonna play four four two, I prefer that. You guys know how I feel about four four two. But that is in relation to the men's game. The women's game is a different game. And, again, the goalkeeper is so much more important in the women's game, okay? And this isn't meant to disrespect anybody. I love this team. I love watching this. And I actually really enjoy learning and becoming more familiar with the differences in the men's game to the women's game. Now, simply put... The women are are smaller. They're not as large, okay? The pitch and the goals are the same size. So you can automatically understand that there's more open space in a women's match. It's just a fact. It's it's mathematics. It's not anything to do with sexism or anything like that. Okay, it's just mathematics. There is more space to play, okay? And the goalkeeper when your goalkeeper is, you know, 6 feet like 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 Lele is, she covers more of the goal than our backup, Carolina Villon, who is not six feet. Okay. Um, I don't know her exact height. Let me see if it's available on Playmaker here. She is, it does not, no, it does not list a height, unfortunately. But um, she's clear, she's does not cover as much of the goal. As Lele does, and she's not as experienced either. She's 20 years old versus being a Brazil national team goalkeeper in her prime. So naturally, there is some drop-off between the two goalkeepers. Her name's going to come up in a bit. And again, I am disgusted with the way some so-called fans have utilized their social media to absolutely harass Carolina Villon. Um... That's going to be for the Sporting match. But in this one, she also got the start here, uh, giving Lele a break. And Katrina Madu returns to the starting lineup. There's a change in in the... There's a change in the center-back pairing, as I'm looking at it. And... Yeah, there Anasaisa steps into the center back. Okay, and this, this is of course this match was played back on the fifth of September, and so Anasaisa replaces Carol uh, Costa and Carolina Correa replaces Silvia Revil. So now you have two new central defenders. That is that is a complete change in a in the organiz- organizationally speaking you have a new goalkeeper shouting instructions two new central defenders shouting instructions Matilde Fidalgo gets a run in in this one she gets to start over Lucia Alves at left back so the entire back four with the exception or it's back five even the back four and the goalkeeper with the exception of Katrina Amado is new in midfield you've got Maria Negrão Madalena Tatar, the Romania international, Beatrice Camero, and Christy Uchebi. Up front, though, she, uh, Felipa does go with the two first-choice strikers in Nicole and Chloe. So a different lineup in this one, like we said. And on the bench for this one, she had Adriana Rocha, Lucy Alves, 
Daniela Santos, Andrea Faria Paleta, Valeria and Marta Sintra. Um, Andrea, sorry, Adriana and Daniela are younger players that were brought in from, you know, the youth team. Um, they were brought in to add some squad depth and to get some experience. And this game was ugly. The pitch was ugly, too. I mean, the, the pitch at the Tapadinha is in really poor shape. And it starts off with a, a little bit of a shock as Carol Pretonia would get would get audience on the board in the fifth minute. And a little bit of a shell shock too to uh Befica's system here. And so it says here, Carol Pretona, I have Andrea, I have Ana Pinto as the goal scorer in my notes. And then on playmaker.com, playmakerstats.com, it says it's Carol Pretona. Um, either way, Odies score in the fifth minute. But Nicole levels for Benfica 10 minutes later in the 15th. In the 32nd, Chloe makes it 2-1 to one to Benfica. And you assume, okay, now we go to, now we, you know, we coast. And now it just goes normal. We end up winning 5 or 6-1, right? Nope, that's not how it goes. Um, as Valeria of Oriens, not our Valeria, <laughs> their Valeria, makes it 2-2 one minute later. 34th minute, it's 2-2, and that's how it goes into halftime. And again, a difficult, difficult um, second half on a poor pitch. I'm not going to lie about that. It's not an excuse, but it is a fact that it is a poor pitch. And here we get some substitutions in the second half as Pauleta comes on, as does Andrea Faria. They come on for Christy Uchebi and for Madalina Tatar. And then in the 53rd, Valeria Cantuario comes on for Nicole Raisla. And then we get another one in the 63rd. We get Marta on for... For Maria Negrão. So we get more offensive. We go to a 4-3-3 there at the hour mark. But then in the 66th, there is a foul. And uh, it is a penalty kick that, that Paulita steps up and takes. She is the captain on the day. Paulita buries the penalty kick. And that is how it ends, believe it or not. Benfica only manage a 3-2 to two win in this Liga BPI opener. Now remember, this is something that needs to be remembered. The Liga BPI has a strange format. They're using the same format as last season. Okay, so it's still the COVID, uh, they call it the COVID amended format. So, we play two phases of the season. Right now, Befica play in the Seri Sul, in the south section. All this section, all this portion of the season does is determine which four teams advance to the championship phase. There is no results carrying over. None of these points carry over. Okay. So these results mean very little unless Benfica, you know, somehow are in danger of falling below fourth place, which there's that should never happen. There's zero difference going to the next phase as the winner of this SETI of this section, or as the fourth place team. It all starts over again once you get there. So 
again, that's another reason you see the squad rotation and the experimentation. Philippa explains this in post-game interviews. This phase of the season, this is the real preseason. This is where they try things. They don't get to play a lot of preseason matches. Okay, They don't have the budget to go to a training camp in another country, get away and play friendlies against you know big teams or small teams or whatever. They don't have much of a preseason. This is really their preseason. So that's why you see some experimentation. And, and again, this is going to come up when we talk about the sporting match. And this is something I'm sensing Benficistas don't quite understand or don't quite grasp. 3-2 win, however, three points. That's all that matters. On to the next one because midweek there was another big match, and this one is, of course, the second leg of the playoff against Twente, and I'll pull that up. And this was a historic night. Now we're at the Seychelles, and I believe these matches should be played at the Luge unless there's a, unless it's not possible. Champions League should always be played at the Luge. That's my message to Rui Costa. That's my message to Francisco Benitez, to candidates in our election this Saturday. Whoever wins needs to sort this out. We need to get out of the Tapadinha. With all due respect, it's not working. It, the, the pitch, it's it's horrible. There are bare spots, okay? There are bumps. Very hard to play our game. The girls, I'm being told by, if you can depend, by, by Rita, who is kind of the expert on this, that there's days where the girls wake up and they don't know if they're training at the Tapadinha or at the Seychelles. This has to, to end. I understand not every match can be at the Luge, but Champions League and matches against Sporting, Braga, and Famalicão at the Luge, if possible. I understand if the men play that same weekend, it's not possible. That's that's understandable. But here we have, and this is the second time, this is the first time this happened. This past week was the second time that this happened. The men are on an international break. The Luge is not being used. This match should have been at the Luge. The only positive of being at Seychelles was if the crowd was loud, close to the action, and you could hear it. It was a large crowd. Um, again, at this point in September, only 50% capacity was allowed. So Benfica knew that. Okay, only 50% capacity allowed. And they they I think they actually surpassed it to be honest, because for the they I know that they had said that they were turning fans away. That they had they had reached that 50% limit at the Seychelles, which is another reason why you use the luge. You are not gonna reach the 50% limit at the luge. Everyone that wants to see the match would have been able to see the match. You're growing a sport or a team and a sport. The sport of women's football is growing. You need to be able to market it. And the worst thing you can do is send away people that are interested, people that want to support. So um, 
What was interesting, though, is in the second half, you suddenly saw people start to be placed in the section behind the goal at Seychelles. And in, what, seven years now of subscribing to BTV and seven years of watching the juniors or the U19s or the, the U16s, the women, anybody else play at Seychelles, I have never once seen anybody sitting in that section of red seats behind the goal on the main pitch at Seychelles. In this match, this happened. So this was huge. All right, here's the lineups. Starting for Twente. And uh, Daphne Van Domsler is back in goal. 4-4-2 again. Uh, Lisan Van Der Waal is the right back. Kika Vaness and Caitlin Dykstra, the two center backs. Kirsten Yasmin, the left back, as uh, as was in the first leg. Uh, the four across the midfield, Annalena Stoles on the right, Suzanne Hendrina in the center with Waiki uh, or Vicky Hendricks, Hendricky. Uh, she is, of course, the 15, 16 year old. I think she turned 16 in between these two, these two legs. Kaylee Event Doran is in a is a change. She steps in in the left side of midfield, while Renat Janssen and Fena Kalma are the two forwards. Uh, Filippo Patel sends out Lele again, and the four in the back, Katrina Madu, Silvia Rebelu, Carol Costa, and Lucia Alves. No change from the first leg. Uh, Pauleta in the hole as the hole as the holding midfielder, Andre and Beatrice to each side, and Ana Vitoria. No change in midfield either. Uh, I think Filippo was happy with the way the first leg played out. And I think she knew that the Dutch champions were going to come out with some fire, going to come out with some energy. And again, I I sensed, and it did happen, that she knew they had to weather the early storm and the high pressure, wait for that adrenaline to wear off, wait for the opponent to go from an anaerobic state to an aerobic state, you know, when those resting heart rates come down, Mifika then are going to be the better team. They had to just avoid going behind. So she went a little more conservative, but I understand it worked. She did, however, move Chloe back into the starting lineup uh, alongside Nicole. And it's a good thing she did. This was a career night for Chloe Lacasse. That is right. The Canada International was the star of the show. No question about it. And it, it it didn't take long. Befica, once they weathered the first 20 minutes, and it was almost to a point, 20 minutes of high press, high intensity from Twente, Befica start to, again, just like in the first leg, slowly start to take control, slowly start to move the ball around, slowly start to make it happen. And... Just before halftime, finally, the deadlock broke. It was Chloe Lacasse coming in off of her off her right foot. She puts it on her left and buries a shot past the goalkeeper. 1-0 to Benfica. The Seychelles erupts. The fans are on their feet. They are screaming. They are jumping. They are excited. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal end to the first half. Whereas in the first leg... Befica made the costly mistake and went demoral. She could have gone demoralized into halftime, where Twente went into halftime, you know, on cloud nine, thinking they just pulled one back and the match was theirs. 
the exact opposite here. It's Benfica scoring right before halftime, going into the team rooms, psyched and and confident. Meanwhile, you really sense that Twente went into the went into the locker room anxious. They'd fallen behind, and now the possibility, I think, for the first time, the real, the very real possibility that Benfica are going to win this tie starts to set in on them because they come out flat. Okay, uh, the Dutch manager makes this change at halftime. Uh, Bent Janssen comes in, and Anna Lena Stolza comes out. But it took only two minutes. Chloe gets the ball down the right. Okay, this is almost a carbon copy of the goals she set up at Alvalade last year to win the title to start that to start that uh, run to start that three nil. You know those three straight goals in that second half of that match. It wasn't in the second half. It was early in the match to set Befica ahead of Sporting and to take control of that match. She did almost the same exact thing here. It's just it was down the right instead of down the left. Chloe makes her run, beats the defender, gets into the box, slides it on the ground for Nicole, who's arriving late. Nicole, with her the inside of her left foot, opens her hips and manages to redirect the ball into the far post. The goalkeeper has no chance. Chloe to Nicole. It's 2-0 to Mefica. And Mefica now are believing. The fans at the Seychelles are believing. They are on their feet. It is loud. I have not ever heard the Seychelles that loud. And just when you thought, you know, just when you thought maybe they'll start to sit back, nah, nah, son. It is Nicole Reisler getting the ball here and this time returning the favor the opposite of the first goal. She plays it to Chloe. Chloe beats the goalkeeper, and it is 3-0 on 50 minutes. It's an absolute shell shock to the Dutch champions as Chloe goes and celebrates with the fans, and the fans are singing. They are chanting. They are yelling. One thing I noticed in this also was really cool was they brought out all of the youth teams for Benfica and put them in the stands as well. I think that needs to happen more. That is a great way to start to support this 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 project, okay? And that is a great way to create a sense of community within Befica, within the athletes. There's been complaints over the years that the athletes that come through the Seychelles, as talented as they might be footballers, don't understand Befikishmu. They don't understand what it means to be Befika. They don't know who... You know, they don't know who Nene was. They don't know who who Veloso was. They they never heard of Peter Paneda. Well, there's a great way to get to know your club. And a great way to really feel a part of it is to put the kids in the stands for these big matches. And I know they let the, the kids do have their, their places in the, the Shadi Deluge as well. But it's a... It's a great opportunity to be a part of something from the ground, you know, from day one. What I most, I think, love about this Benfica women's team, other than the fact that the athletes are just so personable and the athletes are just so excited to be representing this club and they defend this badge with so much honor, it's the fact that I have watched this team since their very first match. I've seen this evolution before my eyes. I've seen this growth. 
it makes it that much more exciting, but that much more personal for me. I say this with all honesty, that I watch these women's matches with the same in attention, the same attention to detail, the same intensity that I watch the men's team. I'm not making that up. I I have grown into just being absolutely 100% into this team. I'm totally in. I'm all in on this women's football project. And they continue to repay me. I mean, it, it is just phenomenal to see the effort go in and to see the pro, you know, the finished product before our eyes. And these girls are making history. So, 3-0, a substitution in the 63rd. Valeria replaces Nicole. The Dutch side makes two substitutions. In comes Marissa Christian and uh, Norija van Schoenhoven for uh, Waiki Hendricky and for Suzanne Hendrina. So Van Schoenhoven uh, is on the pitch four minutes before she gets booked. And then in the 72nd, this time it's Valeria setting up the Canadian. It's Chloe for the hat trick. She goes and celebrates in the corner where the loudest section of Benfica fans are. They, You can see they almost want to spill onto the pitch. It is absolute pandemonium. It is an absolute party at Seychelles. At this point, we know Benfica are going to the Champions League. And didn't even have... This player on the pitch in the 75th. After that goal, Kika comes on for the final 15 minutes. We did this without our most talented player. Okay, Kika is easily the most talent, raw talented women's footballer I have seen in Portugal by far. She's also the most intelligent on the pitch that I have seen. Okay. Um, she understands she she has great vision. She knows how to find spaces better than any. She finds spaces. I'm not kidding when I say this better than any midfielder I've seen play for the United States women. I'm not kidding about that. They're all phenomenal athletes. The United States has won four World Cups. A lot of that depending on their superior athleticism. Kika is superior and world class in her vision and in her understanding and in her foot skills. She's a different player than they are. She's more, she's less of an athlete, more of a footballer. And the ball is just glued to her foot. And she comes on for the final 15, as does Christy Uchebi. Maria Negro and Marta Sintra come on in the in the 83rd. And that's it for Ana Vitoria and for Chloe Lacasse, who gets a standing ovation on her way out. And uh, the game does get chippy. The, the The Dutch side start to really play overly physical. They start to foul a lot. Their frustration starts to be taken out as Kika ate a couple of, of nasty challenges. But um, that's also part of the game and part of learning. And part of lo- learning in these situations, sometimes you just have to get rid of the ball a lot quicker. Um, when you have an opponent somewhat embarrassed, like me, I think I have 20 here. Uh, you have to be a little more knowledgeable, a little more, um, just a little bit more aware 
of the fact that the other team is angry and you do not want to hold on to that ball too much. But the referee will blow her whistle for full time. And Benfica win the tie 5-1 to one on aggregate, 4-0 on the night, and they advance to the Women's Champions League. A few days later, they came out of the pot. Group D for Benfica. As we know, Bayern Munich, Olympic Leon, and the Swedish champions, um, BK Hocken. Okay, so, and BK Hocken, like Benfica, won their first title last season. Okay, we're going to take our last break here. Um, and then we've got two more matches to talk about, and we will be back here on Mr. Benfica. I know this is a long one, but uh, we are in the home stretch. We got two matches to talk about, and that will do it for this episode 127. So we'll be right back here on Mr. Befica. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustin. Don't forget, follow the show on Twitter. Let's get to 1,000 followers. It's at Befica Mister. Follow it on Instagram as well at Mr. Befica, and we'll be right back. <laughs> To Mr. Benfica episode 127. All right, we fast forward now. We're talking women's football, as you know, today. So we're fast forwarding now to Sunday, the 26th of September. We are at the Stadio Aurelio Pereira in Alcuchit, of course, at the famed Sporting Academy that used to be famous. <laughs> um, it is Sporting hosting Benfica round two of the Liga BPI. The referee is Sandra Bastus, and this is round two of the regular phase, of course. Uh, we will go to the lineups. We'll start with the the home side, the Leoish of Sporting, and they start with their, their new Croatian goalkeeper, Doris Bacic. Uh, they're, the rest of their 11, as I said, playmakerstats.com does not put it out on a tactical board for me, but... Um, I'll just name their other 10 starters. It's Catalina Beckert, one of the backs. Joana Mershaw, Melissa Hazenbergovic, excuse me, uh, the, the Bosnian. Joana Martins, the new signing we talked about in the first segment. Brenda Perez, uh, Fatima Pint, Andrea Jacinto, Marta Ferreira, 
Ana Borges is the captain. And Portugal international Diana Silva back at Sporting uh, this season. So two big signings for Sporting, and they would come in handy in this match. It is, of course, it is of course Brenda Perez and uh, Diana Silva. So for Benfica, again, we talked about some fatigue in the other match as well. Now we're fast-forwarding. This is on the back of an international break. So while the team is probably still riding high from qualifying for the UEFA Women's Champions League group stage, they're one of the best, so one of the last 16 teams in Europe in the competition, um, there was a international break right on the end of that. And just like with the men, Benfica do not come back from international breaks well. Um, this would be no no um, would be no exception. Now, with that and knowing that uh, players are just returning from their national teams, I think that that also played into the eleven that Felipe Paton selected. But also, she was experimenting. At the end of the day, she was experimenting. There's no question about it. She ex- she said as much in the post game presser. Now, because this game was a diabolical disaster in which just about everything that could go wrong did go wrong, um, everyone's pointing the finger, but she also explained that there are things they need to try. Again, this is a pre- this is essentially a preseason. Now, again, the problems with following this team is we don't get much information from the club. We don't get a what they call un bulletin clinic or the the injured what is essentially the injured list in English or the you know the list of scratches however wherever however you uh call it in whatever corner of the world uh you're listening in however you know you say it in the English in your particular corner of the world um so we don't even know I believe it was on return from the national team that Silvia Rebelo picked up a knock picked up an injury Okay, she was not starting. Anasaisa steps in for Silvia Rebelo. Okay, Carolina Villau is the goalkeeper. The right back is Katarina Amadu. Like we said, Anasaisa in at center back with Carol Costa. Lucia Alves, the left back. Not too much changing there. Okay, the big change is the goalkeeper. And we didn't know this at the time, but now I it is my understanding that um, Lele requested requested some personal time, okay, to, to handle a personal matter is what I understand. I may have misheard that. I may have mistranslated in my mind, but I'm pretty sure that that's what has been said um, from one of the sources, you know, one of the various sources where I try to get information on this team from. I think the explanation that I heard was that she had requested to have some time off. So, that said, Carolina gets another try. Okay, um, some people called this inventing. Okay, so it, it really wasn't that different. Also, uh, the midfield again, no Kika. So this is this has been the the this has been the theme so far this season. Is one of the key players down the stretch last season and one of the top goal scorers in the championship phase last season. Kika Razere on the bench once again, and um, she goes. Felipe opts for the diamond midfield that does not feature her. It's Pauleta, Beatrice, Andrea Fria, and Ana Vitoria. And the manager opts for Valeria Cantuario over 
Nicole Raisla. Um, this, I believe, was due to the fact that Nicole represented Brazil in this international window and had just arrived back after a transatlantic fight. Okay, a long one um, coming from South America to Portugal. So Valeria was selected, and Chloe gets the other, gets the start at the other spot. Now, um, Sporting do a great job in canceling out Chloe and Valeria. Uh, Sporting, here's the thing. Okay, Benfica tried some different things. Benfica could have used Kika. Benfica, if Lele plays this game, this is a completely different match. So I'll get this out of the way. I was disgusted, absolutely disgusted with the lowlifes that went to, you know, Instagram and to Twitter to completely harass and trash Carolina Villon. Carolina Villon is a 20-year-old goalkeeper, okay? When you play goalkeeper, and I know a lot of the people that were criticizing this, all of a sudden there was a loud collection of voices critical of this team okay all of a sudden everybody's an expert on this team people who've paid no attention suddenly pay attention when we lose to Sporting. this is this is uh aggravating because they don't know what they're talking about there's a lot of them okay and i'm seeing comments like none of them know anything about football and how are we going to go anywhere with a team like this and it's it's it is hilarious because what this group has done has been nothing short of remarkable. And anyone who watched this match saw how this happened. It's very while it's not excusable, it's very understandable. Okay? You have a twenty year old goalkeeper who's still cutting her teeth as a professional. She's not Lele. She's not Leticia. Leticia is a international, a world-class goalkeeper, which she showed yesterday in the Champions League. Okay? Carolina knows she had a bad game. You don't have to go to social media to tell her she's she had a bad game. Worse, it becomes personal attacks. It's not even... It is not even... Oh, you played poorly. It's you suck or you don't know anything about football. You don't have Univel, the level to play for this club. Again, I honestly think the majority of these so-called fans have never played this game in their lives because they've never experienced a match where just nothing goes right. It's obvious. Much less did any of them ever play for a Benfica. Ever play in a first division of in your country ever play professionally certainly not at 20 years old and i guarantee none of them were goalkeepers maybe you played as a uh, as a right winger in your soltage versus kazaj matchup in your aldea and you think you know you've played now and you think you know a thing or two well when you make a, a mistake playing there guess what the guy behind you usually cleans up and, and collects the ball, and you keep playing, and no one thinks anything of it. When you play goalkeeper and you make a mistake, everybody sees it, and everybody points the finger. This girl did not deserve the abuse she got. Okay, She did not play well. She knows she's she, Obviously, she knows she didn't play well. And I am concerned about her mentally because I obviously I don't know the person. I don't know her. And I don't think... 
she's ever experienced that before. That is online bullying. There's no place for that. Okay? Especially with young new professionals, okay? 20 years old. And you know what? A lot of you do this to Darwin as well, but he he's a little you know, he's a little more immune to it. He's he's learned to deal with it because he's been in the spotlight for a long time. These girls have not been in the spotlight like this for very long. Remember in the first season they were in the second division and they steamrolled everybody. And a lot of these girls weren't here then. If you haven't noticed, there's been some changeover. The team has evolved, has grown. Not many of the the girls from that first season in the second division are still here. We have homegrown players in this team. Carolina Vilo is a young player. Uh, she came from Gaia, but she's still a young player. Katarina Amado. Andrea Faria, Beatriz Quemeiro, uh, Lucia Alves. These are young players still. Kika Nazaré, of course. These are young players that have been nurtured and that have been developed and that have beat out foreign professionals that were paid a lot of money for these positions. To say that any of them don't know what they're doing is is ignorant. And it tells me that the people making those comments don't know anything about this game. Because if you you knew even the slightest bit about the game, you can see what happened here. Why it turned into a disaster. The last thing you need is to beat up a goalkeeper. If there's ever a player that, I don't want to say babied, but if there's ever a player you need... To keep positive. Because the mental game is so hard. It's so difficult mentally to be a goalkeeper. And this is why some of them burn out. Some of them end up career backups. After showing so much promise. And why some of them don't leave the backup role. And don't go to another team where they can start. Because the mental side is so debilitating. And is so ruthless. Cutthroat. She didn't deserve any of that abuse, and I needed to say that off the top. That said, 10 minutes in, even Paulita gets beat badly on this one. Brenda Perez, her compatriot, uh, she she receives the ball with the back to goal, and, uh, and Paulita seems to have backed off her for some reason, not exactly sure what happened, allowed her to turn. She turns. She notices Carolina off her line. Just a few steps. But again, Carolina is not that tall. Lele can get away with this because she's tall and she has long reach. She's built like a volleyball player or like a, a basketball player. And she's as athletic as one, too. Carolina's not is not blessed with that type of a, of a body, with that type of a build. She needs to be 100% sure if she's taking any steps out takes just a few steps out Brenda with great great precision chips the ball in the air high and lobs it right over Carolina into the goal just like that uh, Sporting are ahead 1-0 10 minutes in and this is after Benfica had squandered a few chances Benfica had the first uh, good opportunities in this one Chloe missed a one that she never misses it would have been an easy tap in, but she miskicked it and it went wide. 
But Benfica, at first, again, I think this team is mentally tough, and I think they've shown that. But they fight back, and they create some more chances. But Sporting's goalkeeper there, uh, Basic, uh, played very well. She made a few key saves to keep it 1-0 as long as she had to. Then in the 38th minute, you know, you're heading towards halftime. We talk about halftime, and it's so important sometimes not to concede right before halftime. Seven minutes before halftime when Benfica... Uh, are looking like, at the worst case, they go into halftime down 1-0 in control of the match. Um, easy to regroup. They've done it before. The manager knows what to do. An absolute, for me, um, just unfortunate uh, uh, string of events here. The ball is played into the box, and Diana Silva is running it down. There's a slight hesitation from Carolina Vilo. Uh, probably still thinking about the goal she, she had given up. I wouldn't be surprised. And then makes up her mind late. Comes out. She comes out sliding. And she's a split second. A uh, microsecond too late. Um, there's no VAR in the Liga BPI. Because I think if they looked at VAR on this one. They may perhaps have overturned the decision. But the referee... Sandra Bashus points to the spot. I found it harsh. Um, of course, Canalos doesn't give the best of uh, of replays. They don't have the camera set up or whatever to get the best uh, angles. But um, with VAR, perhaps this one, maybe not because the call on the field would have stood, but perhaps with VAR, the referee is less inclined to point to the spot and more inclined to wait for the video to decide. And maybe perhaps a no call would have been upheld. It was that close. But in this case it was a it was a spot kick. And Joana Marchand steps up. And just like in the Super Cup. It's 2-0 to Sporting. Goals from the same two players. Brenda Perez and Joana Marchand. And they go into halftime. 2-0. Sorry they don't go into halftime 2-0. Because in the 45th plus 8. Sporting. Lose the ball in their own end. It's almost the exact same play that uh, Lele gave away in the Super Cup. And Valeria walks in and slots it into the far post. Valeria gets her first Liga BPI goal. And Befica, um pull one back. It's 2-1 going into halftime. And Befica have all the confidence going in, I think. They felt they've regrouped. They've pulled one back. They know they can score in bunches. They know how talented they are on the ball. They know how well they can move. But thus far, it's just not coming off well outside of this this uh, chance that came from nothing. But it all comes tumbling down then. Two minutes into the second half, and Juana Martins with another lob over the head of Carolina Villo. And this was difficult to see because this never should have gone in but you can just see the sort of psychological state and sort of place your goalkeepers in in this situation it's 3-1 plenty of time left but Benfica start to come undone a little bit and every time they start to mount a little bit of an attack it's cut out the counter goes on in the 61st, it is Diana Silva who gets on the end of a long, a long uh, uh, driven pass. And actually, Carol really defends her very well. She defends Diana very well. However, 
Carolina's out of position again. And Deanna Silva looks up, sees that, and it's another lob over the head and into the goal. And you can see where Carolina's head is at because she starts yelling at her defense. But those of us watching at home can see clearly that that was defended almost perfectly. Had Carolina stayed on her line, Deanna doesn't even try to shoot that. She probably turns and goes backwards with it and looks for a pass. Or if she tries to lob that, Carolina catches it with no trouble. And she gets beat again in the 79th. There's not much to talk about here. It's 5-1 to Sporting. But it's a it's a very how do I say it's a very misleading statistic. Okay, it's very misleading. Um, Sporting have a day where everything goes their way. Every bounce, every call, they got that penalty. I think if they don't get the penalty, it's a completely different match. I think that one really destroyed what was left of Carolina's confidence. And I think, in turn, the players are only human. I think they started to lose confidence in her there. The manager tried to do some some things. She tried to make some changes, but really nothing nothing was working. Um, we get Christy in in the 68th. Marta comes in also. Um she comes on for she comes on for Katarina Amad. That's right. Katarina Amad gets injured badly. Okay, and this is just a sign, and this is a worrying sign for me because squad depth is becoming an issue with this group. Uh Katarina Amad gets hurt badly. She collides uh in a nasty challenge with I believe it was with um, was it with Andrea uh no, it was with Marta Freira, I believe, that she she got into a nasty collision with. And I think she may have been concussed. She was put on the gurney. She had the neck brace on just in case. And she went out in an ambulance. It's a very scary moment for Katarina Amado in the 45th plus 7. That's still in the first half. Um, that also really hurt Benfica because then Marta Sintra, a forward, comes in to play as the right back. Mefica are out of right backs, at least experienced ones. Um, in the second half, Lara Pintasilu comes in uh, to play left back. She replaces she replaces Lucy Alves, who really did a lot of work in this match, who really um, was an unsung hero. And um really did a you know, did a lot and really was um doing the bulk of the defending as Sparting were attacking down her side a lot. She she comes off in the 68th. They knew they had more matches ahead. And then we see Kika comes in at halftime. I left that out. And Nicole comes in in the 55th. So we get to see the strong team afterward. But it was just a day where things didn't go right. Not even for Kika. The ball was coming off her foot. She was making mistakes. She was getting marked out of the match. You know, the, these two teams know each other. It was just a day where Sporting had our number, okay? And I think they got a bit arrogant as the Olays start to go up every time they connect passes. Benfica completely out of this match mentally by this point. And um, I'm not so worried about this because, again, this match will have no effect, absolutely zero influence on who will be crowned champion at the end of the season. However, Sporting has shown their cards, okay? Sporting, Mariana Cabral, their new manager, 
who has replaced Susanna Kova. Uh, I think she was her former assistant anyway. She has shown all her cards. When we play Sporting again, whether it's in one of the Tasas or it's in the Faz uh, Campion, the championship phase, we know exactly what they're going to do. There's They don't have any other options either. Um, we know where we have to improve. They don't know where they match up with us on a good day at this point. So I... I really think this is not the end of the world, even though it's being treated as such. And again, this was ammunition for a lot of the anti-Vieta segment of the fan base to attack Rui Costa, Fernando Tavares, the vice president. And some of them have no problem attacking our athletes in order to do that, and I don't like that. The divisiveness and the division in this club needs to be resolved. Whoever wins this election Saturday needs to extend an olive branch to the other side. Enough is enough. I know that people are not rooting against our athletes, but the second something goes wrong, they do not let that opportunity pass up. At the end of the day, just an awful day. Things just don't go right. But you learn from matches like this. And we know Benfica's a lot better than this because we played a team better than Sporting. And we we held our own and we did ourselves proud in the very next one. So we move to the big one. That's right. It is now the Women's Champions League. And it is Benfica versus Bayern Munich yesterday's match. And it's been a long show, so I won't be able to talk about this one for as long as I would have liked to. Um, But... Again, uh, in between these two matches, actually, I should say, Benfica had a comfortable 5-0 win over Amora on the weekend on the 2nd of October at the Tapadinha in a, again, a absolutely embarrassingly bad pitch that needs we need to stop playing there. Um, they got Benfica got goals that day from Nicole, Chloe. Uh, two from Nicole, one from Chloe, and two from Kika. As Kika, after that 5-1 debacle, Kika was inserted into the starting lineup. And I think the experiment of playing without her is done. All right, let's go to the Champions League. It is Group D, match day one. All right, the 5th of October. We're at Seychelles. We should be at the Luge for the same reason we should have been at the Luge in the second leg of the playoff. But it is what it is right now. We're at Seychelles. At least we're not at the Tapadinha. Benfica versus Bayern Munich. And interesting stat here is Benfica's average age here is 24.2. Bayern Munich's average age is 27.8. Bayern Munich were in the semifinals of this competition last year. This is one of the best four teams in all of Europe. And we just went toe-to-toe with them. And for moments of the match, we took it to them. Um... Bayern are managed by Jans Scheuer. Uh, He comes out here with his 11 for this match. This is the first place team in the women's Bundesliga. They have won. (laughs) They have won the three German league matches thus far by an average of five goals. They've got 15 goals in three matches in the in the women's Bundesliga, and they won their German Cup or their DFB Pokal match by 6-0. So this is a team that has scored all kinds of goals and has yet to allow a goal. 
they're playing a 4-1-4-1 formation, and the goalkeeper is Laura Benkarft. Uh, four across the back. Hannah Glass is the right back. Karina Winnegar and Glodis Vigostotier are the two center backs. Julio Gwynn is the left back. The holding midfielder is Saki Kumagai, and she is a international for for Japan, 30 years old, five foot eight. So now that we're in the group stage, SofaScore has a whole lot more, uh, a whole lot more information on the players available. The four attacking midfielders: Sophia Jacobson on the right, Linda Dalman, the number ten in the center, Vivian Asai is the other central midfielder. And Maximilian Rall down the left. The striker is Leah Schuler. For Benfica now, Lele back in goal. She returns to the team after her personal uh, leave. And couldn't be happier to see her, to be honest. She had actually played against Amora on the weekend. And I say she's six feet. She's only 5'9". She looks six feet. And since I do have the information here, I will double-check Carolina's height here and she she is it does not say they don't have any information on her she must be five six or five five because she is definitely noticeably shorter than Lele uh Katarina Madu is the right back she's back from her concussion uh or from her concussion protocol I guess again no no Silvio Rubillo in the back line she did uh she she was on the bench for this one if needed but she was did not start again coming off an injury I believe that she suffered on duty with the national team so Anna Saisa, young Anna Saisa, she gets a chance here to really uh show her abilities uh as she gets to play in this huge match the biggest match in the history of the club and uh you know, she's only 20 years old as well. This is a young, homegrown talent. And she partners next to the veteran Carol Costa. Lucia Alves is the left back, who would be named the man of the match by you, or the, sorry, the star of the match by UEFA at the end. Uh, Andrea Fria, Pauleta, Kika, and Ana Vitoria, the foreign midfield in diamond, of course. That means Pauleta is the holding midfielder. Kika is the number 10. And then Andrea and Ana Vitoria in, as the two uh, inside centers, I guess you could call them. Um, or two outside centers, I mean. Playing in the right and left center channels. Nicole and Chloe are the strikers. So, as you know, this match finished nil-nil. And um, we had a lot of... We had our opportunities. Kika had probably the best chance of the match when she received a ball from... Uh, from Katarina Amado, and she turned and shot at the far post. Chloe was making good runs in this one. She was giving the Bayern backline an absolute headache in this one. She was getting into spaces. Befica's starting to believe. Again, it, it, just like the, the Twente matches, it starts with Bayern being comfortable and moving the ball a lot. And yeah, Bayern saw a lot of the ball in this match. I'm, no one's going to deny that. But that was always going to be the case. Again, you can criticize the manager when she makes mistakes, but I understand what she's doing. She is what I like about Philippa Patel is she is a big picture manager. And unfortunately, too many fans are small picture fans. They only see in that one match. Not thinking for one second that perhaps a lot of the things uh 
that they did successfully in this Bayern match were tried in the Sporting match, okay? They were tried and tested in the Sporting match. There were probably ideas and movements and methodologies that were that were removed from the plan after the Sporting match. You have to look at these things in a bigger picture. Um, Benfica seeing only 32% of the ball in this match. Okay, so it's roughly a little more than two-thirds of the possession to Bayern Munich. But again, that was always going to happen. It's what you do with that position, or that possession, however. Bayern had 68% possession, 14 shots, but only three on goal. Benfica, 30, only 32% possession, but they found six shots out of that, and one of them was on go, on target. Uh, Chloe had one on target that was saved by the goalkeeper. But Bayern had six blocked shots, okay? Benfica doing a great job defending in this one. This was the best defensive performance I have ever seen out of this team. And what makes that more impressive is they don't get an opportunity to defend like that very, very often. They play in a league or we play in a league where we, you know, are so much better than the 99% of the teams we play. Even, you know, the teams that we're on par with let us have the ball for the most part. So Befica in this one had to be used to playing without the ball, to sitting back, to holding lines, but they were so well positioned. And the opponent was so well scouted that every time they tried, they were sending in cross. A lot of crosses were sent in. Anasaisa and Karol Kosta were phenomenal at winning balls. They were in the right spot every time, virtually. A few got by. There was a you know an overhead kick by Bayern's striker, by um, by Schuler that hit the bar. That was the closest Bayern came to scoring. There was actually there was one time also they that um, Saki did put it in the goal, but she was but a handball was called first, so they had one goal called back. Okay. The other thing I didn't mention in the Sporting match is that Benfica had two goals called back for offside, for marginal offsides. Again, had VAR been in that match, who knows? One of them may have counted. It could have been, and maybe that penalty isn't called, and it's a different game. In this one, Benfica did not let that affect them at all. They were very confident, and the crowd, again at the Seychelles, was out of this world. And they were fantastic. They were behind the team the whole time. Okay, they were absolute every time they were starting to lose a little bit of luster, a little bit of energy, you would hear the Iwamu Befika la 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 la. You would hear it every single time. And it it was just it, it was a night that felt like a European night. I talked about that a week ago when Befica beat Barcelona and I was on the air after that and I talked about how it finally felt like Befica were back in Europe. It was this felt like that too. Okay. Befica unable to capitalize on the couple of chances they had. They had a few go wide. Um that who knows, had they gone in again, a different story, but this was a very hard earned point and every Befica should be uh, proud of this team. I know not everyone is. I read some of the comments saying, oh, we should be playing better football than this. All we do is kick and rush. Clearly, with no notion of what we were up against. Again, semifinalist, German champions. A team that has been full professional since 2002. 
a club that has been playing women's football since 1977. Our, t- our program is in its fourth season. Our second run at the Champions League. Last year, we got to the round of 32, and we got run over by Chelsea, who went all the way to the final, right? This season, we've gone one step further. We're in the 16, and fortunately, there's a group stage. So rather than playing two matches and probably going out to this Bayern team or to Leon, we get six matches at this level. This is going to do an enormous amount of good for this group of players, for their mentality, for their experience. Again, so many young players. We are one of the youngest sides in this Women's Champions League. Let that set in for a minute. We all complain about how Georges Zouge with the men doesn't trust the academy. Philippe Patin is built the core of this team around the academy players. They, the, you know, that's the model we follow for the women. Okay, homegrown players, sustainability, because we can't spend money like crazy yet. Okay, women's football is going to blow up. I am 100% sure of it, and by blow up, I mean there's going to be big money invested in it. Right now, we cannot earn, you know, as... And actually, I shouldn't say that because Benfica won something like... They secured something like 400,000 euros in prize money just by just by qualifying for this stage. And if you haven't seen it again, like I said, I'm going to put this video up on www.mrbefica.com. You can watch this match in its entirety there. Um, if you're No matter where you are in the world, if you're looking to watch the Women's Champions League this year, it's easier than ever. All the matches will be on YouTube on DAZN's YouTube channel. All you have to do on match day is go to your YouTube, type in UEFA Women's Champions League, and you will see a list of matches for that day. That is great exposure. And this is probably a good time. DAZN released the viewing numbers, and this was only first day views. This match between Benfica and Bayern Munich drew 215,000 views. Major League Soccer in the United States does not draw 215,000 views very often. There is no match in the NWSL. I shouldn't say that. There are some that draw bigger. When they're on CBS over the air, yes, they draw bigger. Um, those of you outside the United States probably don't understand what I'm saying, but um, the local American NWSL, okay, the National Women's Soccer League has a great television partner in CBS, the biggest network, most watched network in America. Most of the matches are on streaming. When they do put a match on CBS over the air, like on a television set that you can get with an antenna, they draw big numbers. None of the matches they stream get 215,000 viewers. So, obviously, and I know a lot of that can be Bayern fans as well, but obviously, Benfica pushes the number. I said it in the prelim stages when we were playing in Sarajevo in that mini competition. We played against the team from 
I don't remember anymore. The first team we played. Uh, it wasn't the team from Luxembourg, but the team before that. That was the most viewed video for that channel, which was for the local Sarajevo club. Their most watched video on their YouTube channel doesn't even feature their own club. It's us playing against another team. So clearly there is a large following for, for both of these teams. And the future is so bright for women's football. Um, now, many of you probably know the story of what's going on here in the United States behind the scenes in the NWSL. Um, very, very disgusting things are going on behind the scenes. And that is one thing women's football has to clean out. It absolutely has to clean out. I'm not going to go into detail here. I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to say anything that's untrue or unproven. Uh, so just look it up yourself. Look at, you can Google NWSL crisis and it'll come up and you'll know what's going on. Um, that needs to be stamped out of this game immediately. Because there is so much potential for the, the women's game in the world. And what I love is there is a pureness in watching this team. In watching this Champions League that has been gone from the men's. There's something about four. Four team groups. Only 16 teams. Everybody in this stage is good. There are no gimmies. If you could prove in that. There are no, no easy matches. There are tough matches. And there are big, big clubs in every group this reminds me of the uefa champions league in the in the mid 90s when it was very very elite very very exclusive and um without var it also it does for us purists it's it is enjoyable even though you can sense that perhaps your team can be you know hard done by it 21st minute, Andrea Fria gets a yellow card. Vivian Asai in the 35th gets a yellow card for Bayern. We get some substitutions for Benfica in the second half. Valeria comes in for Nicole in the 60th. And Beatrice comes in for Ana Vitoria. At that point, Benfica's gas is, is running out. And I talked about it, and I'll say it again. That the depth is the question in this team. Um, there's definitely a question of depth in this team. And when you have to play players out of position just to cover the basics, um, in the Aroca, in the Aroca, in the Amora match at the weekend, she Felipa that is attempted on a Vitoria at center back. We were trying all kinds of things because the it it suddenly seems like the the plantel the roster is a little bit short, and that's due to injury. So hopefully, as these players make their way back. We can get back to full strength and start playing to our potential again. But in this night, Befica more than played to their potential. We hung with them as long as we could. And when we couldn't hang anymore, we learned to bunker in and gut it out. And that is important also in developing not just players and developing ability, but in developing a winning healthy culture is the ability to band together the way this team did and to gut out a result. Two substitutions in the last five minutes. Uh, Christy Ochebe came in for Andrea Fria. Marta Sintra for Kika. That's just to get some fresh legs on to hold on to this result. Um, a little bit of luck. A lot of great defending. A lot of uh, great scouting. Put Benfica in a position to earn a very hard-earned point here. Benfica nil. Bayern Munich nil. 
Um, the table now puts Lyon. The other match, I did watch the other match in this group, actually, by the way. They played it earlier in the day. So I did watch Lyon versus BK Hocken. Lyon won that match 3-0. Um, BK Hocken gave them a bit of a match, but uh, were just overpowered in the end. Uh, notable that BK Hocken's home pitch is an artificial surface, so Benfica, when they go to Sweden, will be playing in an artificial surface. But the next round of fixtures have Benfica traveling to Lyon and uh, Hocken traveling to Bayern Munich. And uh, I know for a fact, because I've seen it on social media, there will be some loud support, as there always is for Benfica in France, especially in Lyon. The Portuguese expat community, the Benfica community is going to come out. Uh, I expect to ha- see fans from Benfica in that one because I have seen fans posting pictures of their ticket for that match. And let's look at some of the st- more of the statistics here um, in this Benfica Bayern München nil nil draw. Before we go for this episode, as uh, we have possession, like I said, sixty eight percent for Bayern, thirty two to Benfica. Total shots fourteen to six in favor of the Bavarian side on target three to one. That's a much closer margin, and I think Benfica can be proud of that. Uh, shots off target five to five. Block shots. Uh, Bayern had six of their shots blocked. Bayern had ten corner kicks. Benfica conceded ten corner kicks and successfully defended ten corner kicks. That, if I'm the manager, is bulletin board material. That is a shout out to everyone in that team that just worked so hard to defend. Uh, Bayern committed thirteen fouls to Benfica's five. Uh, two yellow cards to Bayern, one to Benfica. We did frustrate them at times. Okay, they did hit the woodwork once. That was big. Benfica with one counterattack to none. Bayern had to build up every single play. We did a very good job of not leaving ourselves exposed. Uh, Bayern had 11 shots from inside the box and could not capitalize. Uh, Lele played very well. According to SofaScore, Lele was the, the player of the match. But like I said, UEFA recognized Lucia Alves. In that role. Okay. Benfica next up on the 9th of October. That is going to be Saturday. And it will be on the road in Madeira on the island against Maritimu. Right now, Benfica have six points. Maritimu have four. Let's take a look at the standings. In the in the south city. Okay. So, again, top four advance. That's all that matters here. There's nothing else on the line. You have to come in the top four. Sporting lead with seven points. They drew 1-1 this weekend at at Torres. Okay, so it is it is Sporting top of the table with seven points. Second place right now, also on seven points, is Torres. Befica third right now with sixth. And Maritimo fourth. With four, I expect those to be the four teams to advance, but you never know. Uh, Amora is in there as well with four points, um, despite having lost 5-0 to Befica. Istriel, sixth with two points. Oriens with one, as is Atletico. So it's seven matches in this round, and that's it. It's only one time against each opponent, and then the top four advance. So there are four matches remaining in this phase of the championship. Um, that pretty much sums it up here. Um, I can go to 
playmaker stats and give you the top scorers as they stand right now, although it's very, very early and um, a lot of matches to play still in this league up BPI. Um, of course, in the final stage, the teams from the north will join us as well, so it'll be a more even uh, tournament. But right now, Mafalda Maruju of Amora has four goals. She leads... She leads the goal-scoring race with uh, four. And then Caroline Cahar of Tuchiens, the American, has three, as does Nicole Raisla. So that's where the scoring runs right now. Um, there, There's a whole other section, obviously, in the north with other leading goal scorers, but we won't worry about that until we get to the next phase. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Mr. Benfica. Thank you for hanging in for such a long episode. I hope you enjoyed it. This is this was a long one, but we are caught up to speed on women's football. I will be back probably Friday with episode 128. I'll recap Befica versus Portimones in the Liga Portugal B win. Um, I've been holding off talking about this match. I really don't want to talk about it, but uh, it, it is what it is. Befica lose 1-0 at home. I'll talk about that. And then in the second half of that episode... I will talk about the upcoming election and I'll give my thoughts on what I know about the candidates and what I hope to see from this election. Plus, I'll get you all caught up to speed on the modalidades. All right, that'll be next. That's probably sometime Friday. Look for it in your podcast player by Saturday morning. And then I'll be back at the end of the weekend again to recap the the women's match this weekend against Maritimu. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. And Kajega Benfica, Forza Benfica, hashtag We Are Benfica, E Polutibus Unum. On your way out, I've got a musical treat for everybody. So here is the new UEFA Women's Champions League anthem. You heard it earlier when I began to talk about this match, but here it is in its full. UEFA just developed it this summer. Um... And it's going to be the new anthem for this competition. They got their own. And like I said, this uh, women's football is growing and it is going to blow up soon in a good, very good way. So uh, enjoy the UEFA Women's Champions League anthem. And I'll see you next time here on Mr. Benfica on the PTV Media Network.